Will Freeman, RevolutionaryLifestyleDesign.com, talking to you today about how to survive and thrive in the recession that we are now in. If it's your first recession, don't worry. I lived through 2008, didn't touch the business I was working for. And if you play your cards right, there's going to be opportunities for you here. First, you need to be thinking about survival and thrival. Even though it might seem like the world's gone crazy with the whole coronavirus thing and the lockdown and what will the world look like after the lockdown's over. So my theory is that we've turned the corner. Uh, people are starting to, to itch to get back to work. Uh, governments uh, around the world are starting to open things up. Um, the worst is behind us. And it might even be a case where basically the the bottom of the depression or the recession has already happened. Usually it, it, it happens over the course of a couple of years, two or three years, but we might've just taken all of that in just basically this two month lockdown period, um, a, a massive compression in, in Q2 uh, 2020, because almost certainly Q3, um, every single number and every single metric is going to go up because those businesses are not, the vast majority of businesses are not, um, out of business, but they are just dormant right now. Okay. Um, and to give you a little perspective, I've done some research on what happened during the Great Depression. Even in the Great Depression, the 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 uh, jobless rates were twenty five percent, which is bad, right? But think about that for a second. Seventy five percent of people still had jobs. Okay. Seventy five percent of people still had jobs and still had businesses. Um. Secondly, we live in a world today with, uh, in the vast majority of countries, um, a uh, vast amount of resources for people for, from welfare to social security and um, all these, all these uh, things put in place to where even in a difficult recession, um, you know, you're going to see... Uh, these stimulus checks, you're going to see um, unemployment, welfare, and things like that. Yes, it'll be a drain on, on the economy, certainly. But it, it, it wouldn't be a case, uh, in, my, in my opinion, um, like it was in the Depression where people were 300 people you know, waiting outside a soup kitchen to eat. Okay, Not to say that I even think that this is going into a Depression scenario. I think certainly a recession. And... Um, you know, we're going to see how things play out from there. So that's the first thing to, to consider. Uh, we're going to get through this. Um, the worst is behind us, in my opinion. Yes, there might be social distance, distancing. Maybe some small lockdowns might happen in the future. I'm not sure. But um, the worst is behind us. And as, as far as I've seen, uh, you're looking at about a 1% fatality rate. I've heard anywhere. I've heard less. I've heard a bit more, but I think around there, usually people who are elderly or or um, comorbid, meaning they've got some type of sickness or health problems already, um, whereas the vast vast majority of people, in my opinion, are going to be able to beat this. You know, if they do get the virus and um, continue to get stronger and and move forward and put this behind us. Okay, so that's the next thing to consider. Like. You know, having this world open up is going to be a good thing for us because it's it's sooner or later, okay? 
And in my opinion, the sooner the better because we want to get this economy back on track. We want to get people back to work. We want to get um, people fed because there's a lot of people in, you know, there's people in third world countries who aren't getting fed right now. Okay, so if you are watching this and you've got food on the table and you've still got money in the bank, um, you know, that's something to be grateful for. So in the recession, the first thing you want to do is get rid of those expenses. Um, something I've been preaching to you guys for a long time. You know, you, if, if, if you got to go take out a big loan to get a car, man, you can't afford that car. Like you can still get your Starbucks and stuff, but all the other bullshit, cut that. Uh, same thing in your business too. Um, you might have to fire a couple people because they're not money makers. You know, don't fire your sales guys. Keep all the people that, that bring money in, but you might have to fire some back office people and you might have to do things a bit more efficiently um, in terms of the people that are liabilities in your business. Okay, now that's not an insult to people who aren't client facing. It's just a reality of a business in that the employees that you have that bring in money or assets and the employees that uh, take out money and don't deal with clients are, are liabilities, at least in terms of your balance sheet. Obviously, you need these, you know, people to run a business and things of that nature. But it, when times are tight, okay, um, you might have to cut down there. Uh, the analogy I, I like to use, and I, I got this from a Meet Kevin video, who I'm not even a fan of. I just wandered over onto that channel when uh, he was talking about Grant Cardone, but I'll give him credit for it, is, is you, you know, the big cruise ship or the speedboat? Okay, you want to be the speedboat right now with yourself, maybe a couple other people in the speedboat, and you've thrown overboard all the shit that you didn't need. So you can go fast, you can turn quick, um, you can cut the engine and just ride out, you know, for a couple hours. Um, the sole proprietor or semi-sole proprietor business uh, is, is a great model right now. You know, you're, you're one to five staff, super high margins high ticket service business, ideally with an online component um, to go with your offline or if you don't have offline, um, a solely online business. The, the clients that I have that are online right now are still thriving. We're still closing more deals, still increasing revenue um, and still moving forward. And when you're positioned for this, there's going to be opportunities that come up because of the, because of the coronavirus. Okay. I had a personal trainer client of mine. We're transitioning him into, um, you know, doing all his clients' workouts remotely, and we're going to start running ads and um, reaching out to people to do that because a lot of people are going to be, you know, you might have to social distance at the gym. So how's the personal trainer going to get in there? A lot of the wealthy clients he had that were older aren't going to want a stranger coming to their house because they're worried about the about the virus. Um, so you just open up a niche right there to get after, uh, people online who, who want to stay fit, but they're worried about going to the gym. Okay. I will be going to the gym once the gym's open. The second, like the first day the gym's open, I'm getting back in there. I'm itching to get back in the gym, but I know that a lot of people won't. Um, therefore that's just one example of the opportunities that's created for you. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Okay. But, uh, you know, you're throwing the non-essentials overboard and, you know, you're cutting down to, to lean and mean to make sure that you're profitable. High ticket service business where you're in like, you know, 
your margins are, are 85%, 90% profit. Um, I'm in that range, you know, and, and I've had, uh, you know, really successful clients. He's doing, he was doing two mil a year, still taking home 90% and living abroad. Okay. If you can hook up the geo arbitrage with the, uh, um, tax minimization that you get from living abroad, like I do huge move right now. Uh, basically all the shit I've been telling you guys since 2012 is even more important now. There's not one thing that I'm, I'm changing per se. Um, it's just even more prevalent now when times are going to get a bit tighter and it's, and perhaps might get harder to close deals. Okay. And if you don't have a business and you didn't have a business going into this coronavirus and you didn't have a lot of money and maybe you had to go home, live with your parents or something like that. I hope that's a wake up call, man. I hope that's a big time wake up call to never put yourself in a position again where you don't have a source of revenue that you can control. Okay. People say all the time, you know, jobs are safe. Business is risky. Jobs are safer, et cetera, et cetera. Look who many, look how many people just got cut, you know, for two months because the job just went, Hey, um, we can't afford you right now. Whereas if you had a business, especially a high ticket service business that, that um, you could generate income from online, you would have still been able to be making money all throughout this scenario. Um, so there's no way in the future that you should, in my opinion, that you shouldn't have a business and you shouldn't have a way for you to be able to go out and hunt and get money because that's what, that's what this concrete jungle is. We have to hunt. And you either, if you're not a hunter, then you've got to eat off someone else's table scraps and they can just go, Hey man, times are tough. You're out. Okay. Just like I'm telling business owners to do now. That's why you want to be a business owner. So that never happens to you. Okay. If you're, if you're not already, if you are, um, make sure that you're running lean, make sure that every dollar you count is, is going towards profit. Make sure you're not spending money on bullshit. You know, um, that's what a lot of big companies do. You're going to see a lot of big companies get their throat slit because they'll spend like, you know, a hundred mil on, on television advertising. They don't even track that. That's just appropriated to TV ads because the guy's running a big company has never started from the ground up. He's not an entrepreneur. He hasn't learned to manage every single dollar and make every single dollar count towards the business and make every single dollar be reinvested in something that's profitable. Okay. It's 32 million small to mid-sized businesses. Um, I remember uh, Grant Cardone saying 10 mil might get cut in this recession. That might be true, but you, you know, don't let that be yours. The way you do that is, is um, being in the right business, the high ticket service business. Okay. That is going to allow you to survive and thrive throughout this period. You know, I've got clients who are architects, uh, developers, and they're still going to have more clients that want to work with them than they have time for. Okay. Because they're operating on, on really high margins and, and, and high ticket deals. I had a client of mine, uh, who's an architect, close a hundred, hundred thousand dollar deal during the first few weeks of Corona. Okay. Cause there's still demand for what he's doing. Um, and it's high ticket and you can still fill up your, your calendar over the next two years to where you've got more clients than you have time for, um, in the right business. And 
you know, the wrong business right now are those low margin product based businesses, man. They're going to get, they're going to get murdered, you know, especially if they're bricks and mortar, um, you know, or guy bought a franchise and, and used his life savings to do it. Not the move. Okay. Um, if you want to see more on what to do with your wealth right now, check out my economic survival guide, which I wrote maybe a year ago or a year and a half ago. Um, there's going to be a link below in the description. But for right now, I'm, I hope that you guys are in cash. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've always been a cash guy. Um, you know, cash or, or CDs or, or some, um, you know, bonds where you can get at least a couple percent return. Um, you know, I'm not a big real estate guy. I think real estate's great for wealth protection, you know, but you don't want to have too much of your cash uh, illiquid, you know. I think for most people, for most guys who are looking to get rich, you shouldn't buy a house and you shouldn't invest in real estate. That's something you can do after you're already rich. If you, with, with the main idea being, I want to, take my money out of the banking system so it's not subject to inflation and have it an actual hard asset and hedge against um, currency risks and, and banking risks after you're already rich. That, to me, makes sense. Other than that, um, you know, hedging across multiple bank accounts. Okay, I've got bank accounts in, in a couple different country, countries is certainly useful. Um, and making sure you're with the right banks because you don't want to be in the bank that is failing. Um, I could see one of the big four American banks uh, not fail but have to get bailed out because um, I think they will bail them out. And you don't want to be sort of biting your nails uh, while, while they're looking for the bailout. So let's say you're an American. I'd, I'd, I'd have accounts with the big four and... Um, Citibank, J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, um, Chase. And I would also pick up some BMO Harris and TD Bank. Those are the Canadian accounts. And they're a lot safer than, or, or, or in my opinion, their balance sheets look a lot better than, than America. But if you've got 250 grand, I mean, Singapore is the Singapore Switzerland. You know, that's the minimum deposit for um, DBS or... One of the good Singapore banks, if you want to protect your wealth, that's the place to do it. Um, but if you don't have a lot of money, I would suggest, and maybe obviously you can't travel if you don't have bank accounts set up internationally. Um, I try and open up uh, accounts with all the all the major banks, knowing that um, you know all of them aren't going to fail, and and you've got your money spread out just in case. And that's just in case um, the bank doesn't get bailed out and then the uh, the depositor's insurance, if there's a run on a bank, it, it, like like the FDIC can, can help smaller banks. But, you know, if, if a Wells Fargo went down, I think that might take down the, uh, the FDIC as well. So I wouldn't want to be counting on that and I wouldn't want to wait on how long it would take to, to get my money back from that uh, bank. So I would be spread across all of the major banks in your, in your country right now in terms of your savings, okay? And 
we should talk about the fact that it looks like we're moving towards negative interest rates, which is fucking crazy. Okay. So, you know, what do you do in that situation? Well, you've always had inflation to worry about, and now you might have a percent or so to worry about from negative inflation for the bank charging you to hold that money. Um, I mean, it means that the, I, I, I could see neobanks starting to rise in this economy uh, because they aren't charging you interest. I'm sure that there will be um, solutions to that, banking solutions to do that. Um, but in terms of what to do with your wealth, you know, if you're not in bonds and things like that, which I think, you know, if you're picking safe, safe bonds and T-bills and, and you've done your homework, um, you know, I think, or, 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 or CDs, I think that those, those are good. Uh, but you're either keeping it in cash, just waiting, you know, stacking up cash or you're reinvesting it back in your business. Um, same advice as, as I've always been telling you, if you're in a high margin business that, that returns hundreds, hundreds of percents or thousands of percent over the course of the year, you know, you don't have to worry about a couple percent being taken from your cash in the bank. Just dump it back into the business, man. Okay. And let's say between inflation and, and maybe negative interest rates, your wealth is being eroded at like 4% a year. Well, you know, you're generating a hundred percent return in your business. And, and I don't know, saving half of that or saving more than that, you know, dumping that back into, or dumping a certain amount of that back into your savings account so that you can not only, um, maintain your wealth during this crisis, but, but, uh, expand on it and you do it through the high margin business. Um, basically everyone on the Forbes 500 got rich from owning businesses, usually just one business. Yes, a lot of those guys are in real estate and equities and things like that, but that's not what got them rich. Even Warren Buffett didn't get rich from stocks. He got rich from owning Berkshire Hathaway, which is a business, and it's a high-ticket business. It's a high-ticket service business where he generates on average a 20% return compared to 8% um, market return. And for that extra 12% that he gets people for providing that service, you know, they've given him billions and billions and billions of dollars. That's how he actually got rich, running that service business. Okay. Um, if you are a freelancer, you want to be all over Upwork and uh, what's that site? Remote.io from the same guy who built Nomad List that's got the freelancer's jobs. Um, I'm going to see that. I'm, I'm predicting that industry to go ra grow rapidly. Uh, you're going to see a lot more job postings on there because after this lockdown, a lot of business owners are going to think, why the fuck did I have an office in the first place, you know, at, at $8,000 a month in a, in a big city when I could just run my business remotely um, and, and hire people from around the world who perhaps would work a lot cheaper than someone in New York City would. So you're going to see, I think, massive growth in the freelance sector and, you know, if it fits your business model, like if you're, a, you know, a designer or something, you should be all over that, all over um, remote.io and uh, Upwork. If you don't know how to sell, check out my book, uh, How to Sell, revolutionarylifestyledesign.com um, forward slash products. 
and get after it. Okay, now, I don't know about cold calling right now in the, in the current climate. I mean, it certainly would be more difficult people getting upset because you're calling them during a pandemic, but that's the worst that can happen. Um, but I think you certainly need to get more aggressive with your outbound online, uh, be it you know doing more organic content, um, advertising more, which by the way, right now, like ads on Facebook and YouTube are like three or four times as cheap as they used to be. So that's a win that you get out of the situation. And like reaching out to people directly, like if you're a fitness trainer on you're on Instagram, you know, direct messaging people to get after them. Um, you certainly want to step up your outbound. If you, if you can't go door to door, which I think for the near future, it's not going to work um, because of the social distancing that, that's going to be in place. Um, you know, you can try cold calling when businesses get back to work. It's, you, can, you can definitely call businesses B2C. I mean, you might get some people that are angry with you, but it's worth a shot. Um, and certainly doing um, outbound um, metrics, organic content like I do, advertising, and then reaching out to people on, on platforms to see if they're interested in, in what you're looking for and emails as well. Um, so one thing to keep an eye on, um, in, in this current economic climate, which is insane, by the way, uh, crude oil, I don't know if you're watching the charts is, is that negative? Is that a negative? Okay. The chart is absolutely insane. I'm going to have links to all the charts below in the, um, in the info section, but uh, crude oil is negative. Gold didn't move, which is interesting um, in response to that. Uh, just confirms what I've already known as someone who was a professional trader in my early 20s. I actually made money in the markets. Um, the company I worked for granted me $3 million in buying power at the time. No one knows what the fuck they're talking about in terms of market prediction. Nobody. With the exception of hedge fund managers and guys who make a living on this stuff. And even then, they're right, like maybe 65% of the time, okay? They're still wrong consistently, you know, in, in, just in a smaller um, fraction. The, the economists and all these people, you just need to tune them out. No one knows what they're talking about. I mean, very difficult to to have predicted a negative uh, crude oil price, except Dan, except for Dan Pena. Dan Pena did say that, um, <laughs> you know. In, in his usual uh, polite way of saying things, um, did predict that. But, uh, you know, you would have thought that that would have affected gold and other commodities and things like that. But, um, you know, just goes to show you how, how unpredictable things are. That's why I'm not a huge gold bug or a huge commodities bug, because I just don't know where those things are going. Like, when I'm... I'm getting rich from a business, and then once I get the money out, I'm just trying to protect it, okay? And I'm trying to protect it in, you know, I use the banking system. Um, you might not like that, as well as having as well as having physical cash. You can go and get some physical gold, but don't think that you're not at risk for gold market fluctuations. Also, look what happened in the lockdown, you know? I had a former client of mine who had the bulk of his assets in physical gold, 
you can't use that in in a crisis scenario because no one's buying gold. You can't just go to the bank with a duffel bag full of gold. You have to go to special gold dealers and, and they'll approve it and things like that. Um, but in the crisis, like, you know, no one, no, no one was buying gold. So all those alternative media sites for, you know, for the last 20 years, fear mongering, um, you know, buy gold, buy gold in case the world ends. Well, we just had a pretty crazy scenario and, um, (laughs) you couldn't even sell your gold. Okay. You know what actually, you know, what worked was like bank accounts and, um, you know, debit and credit cards. I'm just like living off food delivery, man. That was the biggest asset for me in this crisis was physical cash um, and and being part of the banking system. So I know a lot of you guys might be Bitcoin guys or you might be neobank guys or you might be whatever um, um, gold guys. But I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you got to be in the banking system and you got to have you got to have cash in the banks and you got to have physical cash now while you can still hold physical cash. Um, and you just got to focus on being wealthy and then protecting that. You can arb the cash. Like you can have, like I've got cash in um, USD, Canadian dollars, Thai bot, a couple other currencies as well um, as a hedge as well as, you know, to, to, to spend it when, I, when I'm living in, in those various countries. Um, so you can hold euros and you can hold Swiss franc and you can hold USD and you can hold Canadian dollars and you can hold an index of funds. Um, as a hedge against potential inflation in the U.S. dollar, okay? And the chart to watch for that is the uh, U.S. dollar index chart, okay? That tracks the U.S. dollar against a basket of, I think, seven or eight currencies since the 70s um, and, and tracks where we are in terms of inflation. Interesting thing to note was that during the, the Great Depression, um, the U.S. dollar actually went into to deflation, which is crazy because I'd always imagined that the, the Great Depression was like the uh, Weimar Republic in Germany, massive hyperinflation, wheelbarrows full of money. And that was probably my biggest financial fear. That is, is my biggest, my biggest financial fear is hyperinflation in the U.S. dollar because I get paid in U.S. dollars. Um, and I've got a decent amount of money stored in U.S. dollars. But in a depression scenario in the past... Um, the dollar actually went through deflation, which is excellent if you are owning U.S. dollars and living abroad. It means your dollar is stronger compared to whatever the local currency is. Um, so that would be another potential win in this uh, type of a scenario. But it's worth having a look at the U.S. dollar index chart, which I'll lay out for you. Um, I'll also give you a chart of... of the oil price history to see how crazy that looks and another chart on inflation so you'll actually be able to see because people think you know inflation 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 right like inflation is a factor in, in the money supply it is but there's years where there's deflation and the great depression was was you know multiple years of deflation and then since then there have been little pockets you know Every couple of years or, you know, every six or seven years, there, there, there was a deflationary year. Um, so that gave me a lot of confidence seeing that. Also, in terms of U.S. dollar hyperinflation, 
Keep in mind the U.S. dollar is is the world's reserve currency. Every, I've lived all around the world. Everywhere in the world, people like getting paid in U.S. dollars. They believe in U.S. dollars. Um, people use U.S. dollars everywhere in the world. Everywhere in the world, you can exchange U.S. dollars for the local currency. Everywhere. Okay? And because there's such a worldwide demand for U.S. dollars, um, even if the U.S. central bank prints a lot of money, um, there's still going to be enough demand, I think, to prevent a hyperinflation scenario. And, you know, I've got clients who are ex-Wall Street guys, and, and they told me, like, the U.S. has one of the best central banks. I know what you guys might be thinking about central banks or whatever, but, but look, if, if we're looking at this from an economic perspective, um, there's a ton of sharp people there. And the last thing anybody wants is, is a hyperinflation scenario, including the bankers, Okay. Um, people, people will want to, you know, the U S government looks at the U S dollars as probably one of, if not their biggest assets. The last thing they want to do is see a hyperinflation scenario and see the U S dollar no longer used as the world's reserve currency. That is the absolute last thing that they, that they want to happen. Okay. So there will be factors in play, um, to make sure that that doesn't happen. And, there's a massive demand for it worldwide. And here's an interesting thing. Um, the value of the U.S. dollar in that U.S. dollar index might actually rise in a crisis because where, where are people going to go? You know, what, like, yes, people might buy commodities and things like that. But, you know, people are going to still need currencies to actually, you know, hold in banks and actually spend. What currency would people move into in a crisis? They might very well move into U.S. dollar because it's been a beacon of stability, over the last 30 years. Now you could say maybe the euro, but with with England leaving, who knows if the euro is even going to exist in the next, you know, five, 10 years. Um, or Swiss francs, but there's not enough Swiss francs for people around the world to buy. I mean, it, they don't have nearly the supply of, of the US dollar. So um, keep your eyes on the prize in terms of inflation. But... I hope that, that that information in the charts will, will make you feel a bit more comfortable about um, protecting your wealth. However, if you are American, like most of the people who watch the videos, I would suggest multiple bank accounts, getting that money spread across um, as many major bank accounts as you as major banks as you can with the with the aim of like um, getting in with the big big banks, even though their balance sheets are fucking terrible because they'll probably be bailed out. Um, you don't want to be in one of those little banks that goes under and the government doesn't give a shit about them or, or a purely online bank. Although you can keep some money in a neobank for transactions or whatever. But uh, you want multiple bank accounts. You want physical cash. Um, you want to keep your eyes on the prize in terms of inflation. You might want a basket of currencies. You might want multiple accounts around the world, although you can't pick that up right now. But it's certainly um, an asset moving forward. Uh, you might want to get you some bonds or, or some CDs as well. And maybe a percentage of your, of your wealth in, in commodities, um, you know, as a hedge against a general currency risk. Um, but keep in mind that, you know, you can't predict where that commodity is going. So you're still on the hook for the appreciation or the de depreciation of gold or silver or Bitcoin or any of those commodities, like, you know, that, that, that commodity can still depreciate, 
okay? Um, that's why to me it's like wealth protection is primarily just about maintaining what I have. Um, and I add to that through um, the business, you know, with the exception of like having bonds and stuff that adds a little bit to, to try and keep up with inflation. But the, but the vast major, majority of, of the way that I'm looking to get richer is, is reinvestment in the business. Okay. Um, you also want to be, now's the time to be, you know, trying to, trying to save as much as you can to keeping everything tight and, um, uh, stacking that cash. I hope that you didn't, you didn't put all your assets into real estate and, and you're really illiquid right now. It's, it's something I've been telling you guys for years because in these crisis scenarios, um, you always want to be able to have money. Okay, so a benchmark is first benchmark to, to to affluence is you're making 100 grand a year and you've got 100 grand in the bank. Okay, if you don't have that, those benchmarks set, that's where to aim. You don't have to think about investing or anything else until that point. And with that 100 grand, you're spreading it across a couple different bank accounts. Um, and you got yourself some credit too. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully you got some credit. If you don't have credit, it's always good to have. It's not good to use, but it's great to have credit um, just in case, a worst, worst, worst case scenario. But the move forward is high ticket service business, saving your money, protecting your money. And after all this craziness dries up, you might want to consider doing what I do. What, what I do, if you have an online business, um, and you're making good money and you have a good savings, you might want to move abroad so that you can legally uh, optimize your tax bill and take advantage of currency arbitrage in Asia or South America or Eastern Europe. Um, it certainly makes things a lot more comfortable. Now, am I fully comfortable being locked down in a Europe, Eastern European country where I don't speak the language. It's not ideal, but um, the ideal factor is the cost of living is so low. You know, you can live in the Philippines very well for $1,000 a month. You can live fantastic for $2,000 a month. Okay. That's going to make you feel a lot more comfortable um, in a recession, as weird as that is to move to, you know, a poorer country. Because you know that all you need is a grand a month or two grand a month to be able to make your expenses, as opposed to living in New York City. Add to the fact that if you're from like a, a Commonwealth country, you can be legally non-resident and not liable for taxes. Or if you're an American, you get the foreign income earned exclusion, and um, you're not taxed on the first hundred k. Okay, so so the, there's the tax advantages as well. Now we might not be able to travel for the next three months. Who knows? something to think about if you're not already doing it. Um, but either way, you know, in a recession, you, you want to have, you want to have uh, as limited expenses as possible. It's certainly going to make things easier. So I hope you found this video useful and uh, you can check out all the links and charts and uh, link to my article in the info section below. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, leave me a comment if you found this useful and uh, much love to you. We're going to get through this. Um, worst is behind us in my opinion and um, just keep powering through keep your head up